0: This is Dalton Reisner, and you're listening to Roster Watch. What is up? What is up? What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Top 10 Takeaways. This is Roster Watch. I am Cody Carpenter. You can find me on Twitter at Carpenter NFL. And today I'm live from the lovely, the beautiful Cancun, Mexico. I am enjoying a little bit of honeymoon, but there's always work to be done. So we're here doing Top 10 Thoughts from week number seven of the NFL season and I got, a couple, I got a couple good ones. Got a couple little ones. You know, there's a lot of buys this week, so not a ton of games to get through. But there was some key takeaways. There's been a, a shift with some of these bad teams to becoming middling teams that are going to continue to build on the season. There's been some good teams that have choked and not looked good down the stretch and And maybe there'll be some coaching situations to come afloat over the next few weeks. But first, if you'd like to please click that like button, click subscribe. If you would, I would gladly appreciate that here on YouTube. If you are listening on podcast, please remember to leave a five-star review on the old Spotify. We got to get that thing up to over 100 reviews. We only got like 35 right now. So if you would, please go on over there and please click that five-star review. That would be greatly appreciated. Always click like and subscribe here on YouTube. Let's start out with the top 10 thoughts. Thought number 10 comes to us via the Denver Broncos. Now, the Denver Broncos are, are, of course, not sitting in a great situation right now near the bottom, or I should say in the bottom of the AFC at two and five right now below the Patriots and below the Chargers. They have this rookie wide receiver by the name of Marvin Mims, who we've yet to see really uh, take a meaningful role in this offense. Uh, but this weekend, he was third on the team in routes run, 45% ahead of little Jordan Humphrey, ahead of Brandon Johnson. Something I didn't think was going to take him seven weeks to do, but he did it. And Cortland Sutton finished with 94% and Jerry Judy, 84%. Neither of these guys have been traded yet, though the trade deadline is looming. Marvin Mims is up to third on the team in routes run. I think he had 14 in this game particularly. I want to see this continue to build. I, I'm I'm wondering what is going on really behind the scenes. I know he had a soft tissue um, before the season started in his leg. And maybe that's continuing to bug him. Maybe that just uh, enabled disabled him the ability to learn the playbook completely. Get reps in during the preseason, and that's just kind of put him behind the eight ball. That's usually things that we find out near the end of the season or going into the next. Um, also, I want to say if you're listening along on YouTube, please let me know if the internet connection is slow at all. Uh, I am obviously down in Mexico, not using internet, not using the best internet, but we're here. Number nine, the Jameer gives buy window has officially closed. It's officially shut. I hope I'm saying this uh, in my book. I would, I would personally, I was not trading Jameer Gibbs. Um, I was the one vouching for people not to trade him away and to trust the process and believe in the stud that we know is as Jameer Gibbs. And everyone's like, well, you know, Cody, like, you know, we saw the DeAndre Swift thing unfold and, you know, he kept getting hurt and the the team was just, you know, not utilizing him. And they put Jamal Williams in and, and, you know, I don't want to fall back into that same trap. And I was like, that's not the trap you're going to fall into because Jameer Gibbs is a different player. I know DeAndre Swift has the abilities to play across the field, in the slot, uh, out of the back, to do all those things. But he's not Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs is on a different level than DeAndre Swift. He's been healthier throughout his entire college career. and When you get to the NFL, Jameer Gibbs has shown he can already do it um, between the line of scrimmage, between the tackles and on the outside, and in the slots. He ended this this game this week as the running back three in fantasy football. He had 10 targets, 11 rush attempts, 60 rushing yards. He averaged six yards per carry. Coming off, we're missing a week of injury. Well, he missed five and six, right? Um, Two weeks of injury. And he just, they needed him. David Montgomery was out. Jameer gives, comes into that spot, it's like Craig Reynolds, it's Devon Zigbo. Mo Ibrahim had like a hip injury, and they're like, no, we need Jameer, we need the rookie, we need you to be healthy, we need you to be on the field, and he came in, played 62 snaps, um, 86%, 11 carries average, 6 yards per carry, he's best this season, and then he took in 10 targets as well, like this is the... Um, this is the Alvin Kamara comp coming to fruition before your eyes. With this offensive line, with this football team, I know the game script was fantasy. Um, It provoked provoked fantasy points because they were down, so it was a bunch of dump-offs to Jameer Gibbs, but it showed you that he could do it, and I don't think they're going to obviously be in games where he's going to need to do that, but it's more so proving to you if the game script goes that way, Jameer Gibbs can pay off as well, whereas in a game – that they were winning 38 to 6, I think you would have seen instead of with 11 carries, you would have seen closer to 17 carries like we saw earlier in week three on just a 38% snapshot. It's proving to you that Detroit Lions love and trust Jameer Gibbs despite what they may construe or say in the media. They still do love and appreciate Jameer Gibbs. So if you're able to buy him over the last three, four weeks, you're welcome. Thank you. I appreciate you. I love you because I did the same thing as much as I possibly could, which is only, I think, once or twice um, over the last uh, couple of weeks. Because it's Jameer Gibbs, he's a stud. Everybody knows that. So shout out to France France. Shout out to Matt Cassidy in the chat. I appreciate you guys tapping in here on the old YouTube. We appreciate that. Top 10 thoughts here on a beautiful Tuesday. I know I'm a day late and a dollar short, but hey, that's what happens when you're on a honeymoon. Number eight, Kendrick Bourne is what Juju Smith-Schuster, Juju Smith-Schuster was expected to be in the closed games this year for the New England Patriots in weeks one, two, and three. You can pull it up and you can see that in the in in that stretch, they lost to the Eagles by five. They lost to the Dolphins by seven. They beat the Jets by five. In those three games, he had 25 targets. He averaged eight targets per game, Kendrick Bourne did. The next two games against Dallas and New Orleans, they got dusted, 38-3, 34-0. And in those two games, he averaged four and a half targets per game. Over the last three, or sorry, over the last two games against the Raiders and the Buffalo Bills, they lost by four to the Raiders. They beat the Bills by four. He's averaged again eight targets per game. He finishes wide receiver nine, wide receiver 10, did Kendrick Bourne. It's showing you, or it's showing Bill Belichick or the New England Patriots, that they need to utilize Kendrick Bourne. And also, you're seeing the growth of Demario Pop Douglas, the rookie at the Liberty. Opportunities are needed for both of these guys. When the offense runs through these guys and, and, and the game script is set up perfectly for Mac Jones to get the ball out to these players, it benefits them. 17 targets for Kendrick Bourne in the last two weeks. Like I said, finished as wide receiver 9, wide receiver 10. Pop Douglas as well had five targets in this game. This is what the New England Patriots need. And I'm not saying the Patriots are going to be good, but they surprised the world. They shocked the world. They beat the Bills, right? They lost to the Dolphins. They beat the Jets. They beat the Bills. They're currently 2-1 in their division. They got the Dolphins this week in Miami, of course. They lost by seven at home. I'm assuming it's not going to go great because Miami just got handed a loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. But we'll talk about the, the Miami Dolphins here in just a minute. Kendrick Bourne, though, being what Juju was supposed to be in this offense, Juju, of course, being banged up. They said before the injury, or they said before the season, that there was an injury in his knees, and his knees were ready to blow. And We just have not seen anything near what we used to see out of Juju Smith-Schuster. So that's number eight. Number seven goes to a whole position, and that whole position is going to be the rookie tight ends. The rookie tight ends have become a new. The rookie tight ends have um, unlocked something that we've been looking for for a few years now. They, they, they're the class to end all be all, right? They've they've given us depth. They've given us opportunity, and I think that's going to continue to grow. As the years go on, right over the course of the next three years, we're really going to see the benefits of this particular draft class that we talked about coming in, being a prolific one at that. So currently as we sit, Sam Laporta is the tight end three in all of fantasy football in the season. We have um, Dalton Kincaid at tight end 29, Luke Musgrave tight end 30, Andrew Ogletree tight end 35, Michael Mayer tight end 37, that's just on the season. Now, I haven't even talked about just like the last three weeks. The last the last four weeks particularly, guys like Sam Laporta, Michael Mayer, Luke Musgrave, and then again this week, Dalton Kincaid. These four guys particularly are really what's going to evolve the tight end position and allow us to have a little more depth on a yearly basis because you already see like we have George Kittle, we have Mark Andrews, we have Kelsey, we have Goddard, we have Waller, and guys like Dalton Schultz, guys like Cole Komet. Uh, are are guys just like tickling right And I also forgot to mention TJ Hawkinson in there but guys like guys that are just like tickling the edge of of the ability to play them on a weekly basis Evan Ingram is also in there as well but uh, Kyle Pitts is one that you know he's only 23 years old he should be almost included in a class like this one where there's a new depth coming if that makes sense it's Kincaid it's Musgrave it's Mayer Pitts is in there Laporta Five new dudes, essentially over the last couple of years that are going to allow this tight end position to continue to grow because Kelsey still got three four years left in him obviously. Mark Andrews looks like he has five plus. Goddard has five plus Kittle has five plus. this class is going to give us depth that we never knew we expected or that we knew we did know we needed it, but it's here to actually prove that um, it's something it's it's coming to fruition because there's the years of of pain and suffering at tight end where it's like, oh, man, i got to play Daniel Bellinger. It's like, you don't have to do that anymore. It's We're starting to actually get guys that are breaking out as rookies, and I think that's a big takeaway, just that every week now for the last month we've seen a guy like Musgrave have seven targets, may I break out against the Patriots. Now this last week, Dawson Knox goes down and Kincaid gets his opportunity, and of course what Laporta has done this entire season. So that's takeaway number seven. Number six goes to the Tennessee Titans, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Arizona Cardinals. And some of you are going to say, why do we care about these you know, inept franchises that don't really matter? And the point of that more so is uh, for the draft, for the playoffs, for the season. It's because the Tennessee Titans just traded away Kevin Byard. Which you have to remember on this roster, they have Derrick Henry, they have DeAndre Hopkins, and they have a strong defensive line. Now, they drafted a lot of defensive backs that they want to get on the field and that have been banked up, so I think that that opens up opportunities on this defensive side of the football. But the Tennessee Titans' schedule is not brutal. It's not tough uh, as the season wanes. And I think there's an opportunity for Tennessee to not quit. I don't think that it's in their DNA. And this is the takeaway from number six. This is, a, this is number six, top 10 thought of the week, is that Tennessee, Minnesota, and Arizona are not just going to bend the knee and say, you know what, Let, we're going to tank. We're going to tank for Drake May. We're going to tank for Caleb Williams. You know, We want to go get Marv. We want to go get Olufashina. You know, these three teams I don't think are just going to tank. Arizona may do it because they don't have the talent to win, But they're not going to just bend the knee and say, you know what, we're just going to go in here and we're just going to give up. They're one and six right now, but and there's a real possibility they end it with two wins. But the point more so is, is they're going to be in a lot of football games, especially if Kyler comes back. If Kyler comes back, which I'm betting on right now, based on what we've heard and seen, I would bet on on Kyler Murray coming back in the near, uh, you know, blah. I would bet on Kyler Murray coming back um, sooner rather than later. Because of what we've seen, what we've heard, and I think there's also this itch inside of him that's like, yo, if I don't, if I don't come correct, come back healthy, like there's a real opportunity for this team to really suck. And we saw what happened last year when when you win a game in the last week or lose a game in the last week, and how that shift changes and which team gets the first pick and second pick, it matters a lot. If there's an opportunity where Arizona loses that final game and and say the Bears or the Panthers win a game and Arizona vaults into that number one overall spot, guess what? Kyler Murray is going to be moving. And I'm not sure if Kyler Murray wants to move. So I think there's an opportunity for him to come back. You talk about Tennessee Titans. That's not in Variables' DNA to just lose, right? They're only a game behind the Houston Texans. So the Houston Texans are on the they're the, they're the, they're the next team out of the playoffs right now. You look at Tennessee's schedule the remainder of the season Atlanta this week, Pittsburgh, Tampa, Jacksonville, Carolina, Indianapolis. That's just the next six weeks. Nothing overly daunting, right? Jacksonville's been playing good of late. Pittsburgh just got a big win against the Rams. And then you have Miami and then two divisional games, Houston, Seattle, Houston, and then Jacksonville. Jacksonville, you know, if they beat Houston twice and then they get Jacksonville week 18 for the for the AFC South, whatever, or for a potential playoff spot, like this is a team where the defensive side of the football is good enough that if the offense starts clicking, I wouldn't want to be – uh, betting against Mike Vrabel in this offense, and there's also been, oh, um, well, I'll talk about this in a minute with the Tennessee Titans. It kind of goes off of them, but I don't think they're going to bend the knee. My Minnesota as well. They've won the last two games. They ha- haven't had Justin Jefferson. Kirk Cousins is playing for a contract. Hogginson just got paid. This defensive side of the football has heard all the negative thoughts. I don't think any of these three teams are just going to bend over and go for the Caleb Williams uh, tankathon thought or process throughout this entire draft. Or season, so I think that's a big takeaway. Is that I will say I openly was like, you know, what Minnesota should just tank and go for it, and you know, Drake May would be great Minnesota or, or Tennessee. They should just blow it up, trade trade Henry, trade Hopkins. But it's not in their DNA to do that. The they, O'Connell's trying to establish a winning culture. Vrabel is not a loser. Vrabel's not going to just bend the knee to these guys. And Arizona, with a brand-new coach, is not just trying to lose every football game. They're not going to openly do that. So I think there's opportunities for all three of these offenses. Now, number five, number five comes off of that Tennessee one right there, and that is there was a little news break. On uh, Monday from Boston with the boys, there was a mini one. Taylor Luan, who's a former Tennessee Titan, obviously, he mentioned that Will Levis would get the start in week eight against the Atlanta Falcons. He said his source was a 50-50 source, but all of his sources are in the building in Tennessee. So somebody said something. Somebody leaked some thought. And it would make sense after what we saw from Malik Willis and his inability to feel you know, pressure in the pocket uh, against Baltimore when they were overseas there when when Ryan Tannehill got hurt. So they had a bye week. So that would have given you either two weeks to plan with Malik Willis as your quarterback or two weeks to plan putting Will Levis in that situation. So it sounds like via, you know, Taylor Luan that Will Levis has been the guy that is getting plugged in as the QB1 coming out of this bye week. The question is, can Will Levis elevate the Tennessee Titans? Can he get the ball out to guys like Chigakonku? Can he get the ball to areas for DeAndre Hopkins and Traylon Burks? And and does that open up the back end enough to allow Derrick Henry to start get going, which we usually see the second half of the season. Derrick Henry gets hotter and hotter as the season goes on as far as yards per touch basis goes. And, and of course, Tiger Spears, like the utilization of Tiger Spears, we talked about it last week on Top Ten, That's needs to rise. So I think that it's, a, it's an interesting thought. Can Will Levis elevate what the Tennessee Titans have right now? Because as we know, a good quarterback, a competent quarterback, a higher-end quarterback rises all tides in a team and only allows the defense to get better when they're not on the field as much and they're not dependent on as much as the Tennessee Titans defense has been dependent on. This year, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. Number four goes to the Miami Dolphins again. Something we talked about just a few short weeks ago when they played the Buffalo Bills and got walked like a dog, 48 to 20. And then, of course, they bounce back and get two big, big wins. And the media is back on the Miami Dolphins because they scored 31 against the Giants and 42 against the the Carolina Panthers before a Sunday night football letdown against the Philadelphia Eagles, 31 to 17. And the problem is, and the question is. Miami's got one. Miami's got arguably the best offense we've ever seen just because of the pure talent, the pure ability. Um, They've been comped to the greatest show on turf by many people. Um, even though they play on grass, whatever. Uh, I'm not saying that that's just what they are, but it's more so the team aspect, right? The team is not on that level. The team is not quite there. The team needs more on the defensive side of the football. When you look at the output that the Miami Dolphins have given you, they haven't been able to stop very many people that have been competent. You see the Buffalo Bills, they score 48 on them. The Los Angeles Chargers in week one scored 36-34 football game. And that one, the Panthers even scored 21 on these guys. And then the Eagles, of course, th- scored 31. Allowing AJ Brown again another 130 yard performance in the air, as well as Dallas Goddard to do his thing as well. Hurts almost thrown for 280 yards on 31 pass attempts. Like that, you have to be able to slow people down if you're going to. I I guess that does work against itself. as being a fast offense is also going to make your defense get behind the eight ball. Your defense is gonna be on the field a lot if you're scoring fast. And what you see in the in the time of possession this past week was 36 to 23 in favor of the Philadelphia Eagles. They were up on the Miami Dolphins. And I want to look back and see the time of possession for that game back in week four against the Dolphins or sorry, against the um Buffalo Bills. It was 30 to 29 in favor of the Bills and they won 48-20 in that one. So my big question, my big worry is Can they get Jalen Ramsey back? Can they get Xavier Howard back? Because those are obviously two mega, mega, mega pieces, two healthy all-pro cornerbacks in the NFL. Of course, they were all pros a couple years ago. But if you can get 80% of that back, that's that's high-end competency at the cornerback position that can slow down guys like A.J. Brown, like Stephon Diggs in games that you need to win and that you aren't only depending on Tua and Tyreek and, you know, Mostert and h and and guys like that. But the Dolphins defense needs help. This is not going to be a team that that makes it past the divisional round of the playoffs if they do not shore up this defense. It's not just all about scoring points. You have to be able to stop your opponents on a weekly basis. So there's that. Again, if you are tuning in, tapping in here on YouTube, please click the like button, click subscribe. And if you are on podcast, please click that five-star on Spotify. It takes about three and a half seconds. And we do appreciate each and every one of you guys. The number three top ten thought of the week goes to Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara is a guy, I saw him in person on Thursday night. Right, I was down in New Orleans. I flew into New Orleans on Wednesday on Thursday night. Me and my wife, Maddie Kewoom and his wife, um, and then Dario. Dario from Player Profiler showed up as well. We went to the Thursday night football game, Jacksonville against the New Orleans Saints. And this game was putrid. Uh, for the entire first half it was a blowout um, Jacksonville looked um, pretty much like what we've seen from Jacksonville the last couple of weeks they've gotten hot and they've been dominant and at the point in this game it was 17-6 it was 24-9 after an interception touchdown by Foyer Luakon and I was like this Jacksonville team is this is a polar opposite flip to what we saw earlier this year and then the shift changed like the stadium was dead people were leaving And then New Orleans just started ripping off targets, targets, targets to Elvin Kamara. Elvin Kamara target, 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 target. They get the ball down the field. Got a little Taysom Hill, got some Michael Thomas, and all of a sudden it's 24-24 with six minutes left in the football game. And I was like, whoa. And I looked up and Kamara had 14 targets. Chris Olave had 15 targets. And it was just, it was unreal to see this comeback. And again, the thought here is, is Alvin Kamara, but I just had to review this game because it was a it was a hell of a game that, you know, we had a couple of beers and we were sitting back in, you know, the middle of the third quarter, and we're like, well, this thing's over. We just get to sit back. We had lot watch Travis Etienne run the football out. He's gonna hit his over prop, which was like 62 and a half. And that didn't happen. He had 53 and they just stopped running the football with him. So that was cool. And Jacksonville came back and won with uh, Christian Kirk in a late touchdown. But the thought was Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara has been absolutely sick. He's been absolutely lethal since coming back from his suspension. Now, before the season, he was drafted as the running back 23. I believe his ADP was about 62 or 63. And drafted as running back 23 going into the season. Before week seven, so week one through six, he was the running back 23 in all of fantasy football. For for those of you keeping count at home, he did not play in week one, two, or three. He played in week four, five, six. In three weeks, he was running back 23 in all of the season. Now, you count week seven, he's now running back 16 on the season, missing the first three games. It is ridiculous. He's now number one in the NFL in receptions, I believe, at the running back position. I didn't even double-check that. I'm just going to go off my head with that because a week ago, he was number three behind Bijan. Bijan didn't do a jack-diddly twat, so that's unfortunate. But Alvin Kamara is a unicorn. That's the thought here, and he's running back three since coming back in week four Week four, when he came back from that suspension, four, five, six, seven, just those four weeks, Elvin Kamara is running back three on the season, six points behind Travis Etienne and 13 behind McCaffrey. We know McCaffrey is the fantasy goat, but Kamara is the fantasy unicorn because the opportunities run through Elvin Kamara. Whereas in San Francisco, there's opportunities for everybody else in this offense. Christian McCaffrey just knows how to find the end zone. That's the big thing. But, 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 Elvin Kamara, what he's shown us from a target perspective, the first. These last four weeks of him playing has been ridiculous. So, Alvin Kamara is a unicorn, and he was one of the, you know, the thought was Michael Thomas is the best value in all of fantasy football. That's what Nick Underhill told us. And Michael Thomas has been a good value in fantasy football, but nothing near what Alvin Kamara has given us since he's been back. Number two thought of the week goes to the Los Angeles Chargers. Not only will Brandon Staley lose his job in Los Angeles, but the question is, is, should Tom Telesco also lose his job as the general manager of the Los Angeles Chargers? Now, just under Staley's tenure, this is his third season. They're 21 and 19. They finished third, second, and now they're in third currently this year in the AFC. And I do believe they are at the bottom of the AFC side of things as far as the playoffs go. Two and four, they're a half game ahead of New England and Denver, which is saying a ton, right? They're in the Tennessee-New England-Denver conversation, which is sad. And they have Herbert, and they have Keenan Allen. They lost Mike Williams, but they had all the talent on defense that was expected to be what was going to elevate and help them this year. And all they've done is piss the season away. They get beat by 14 this week by the Kansas City Chiefs. The opportunities have been there all season, and they haven't done anything with them. They lost the Dolphins by two. They lost to the Tennessee Titans by three. They beat the Vikings on a close game. They beat the the Raiders in a close game. They lose to the Cowboys last week. They lose to the Chiefs this week. Now they get the Bears, Jets, Lions, Packers the next four. My thought is – how long before Brennan Staley loses his job do they give him the rest of the season or if they get to a point where they're three and six, you know, four and eight is that when they pull the plug and they say, you know, we're done. We're done with this. This is experience is over with. They haven't been able to do anything. They've burnt up Herbert's, you know, rookie contract. They've, they've, they've torched all the upside and all the ability they had to divert cash to other positions in this, in this team in this offense Eckler's now at the end. Williams, Mike Williams, is it keeps getting hurt. He's near the end. Keenan Allen's aging. Like they've they've almost shut this entire door on themselves with Herbert as the quarterback in their fourth season now. And when you go back and look at Tom Telesco's tenure, it started back in 2013. He had Philip Rivers as quarterback. They went to the playoffs. They lost the divisional round. They didn't go and get until 2018. They lost in the divisional round, and then they didn't go to the playoffs again until 2022. So they went to playoffs two, three times—sorry, three times—in ten years with Tom Telesco as the general manager. And why I bring up Tom Telesco and not just Brandon Staley is well, Brandon Staley, Obviously, we get, we get the analytics side of things where the analytics have not been in his favor. Uh, in any way shape or form for the majority of his tenure here it's it's almost like he's I, I i would venture to guess for chargers fans he's burnt them too many times to where they're upset with him as well but again i haven't talked to chargers fans i should probably reach out to a couple that i do know but i haven't but when you look at the draft classes over the last couple of years um what the opportunities were for guys like the chargers You know, did you watch the game last night? That's the question, right? Did you watch Jordan Addison do what Jordan Addison did on Monday Night Football when he was pressed into the top spot uh, for the Vikings? Two touchdowns over 100 yards, command the offense, look like, you know, Odell, look like Jefferson, like be in that role, like do the thing. You, what he did last night, you will not see from Quentin Johnson for the remainder of this. Like, you will not get that total out of the rest of the season for Quentin Johnson. Zay Flowers has already pr- shown to you what he could do in the Baltimore offense. Both of these guys went pick 22 and 23 right after the Chargers picked Quentin Johnson at pick 21 overall. Also, I mean, if you're not looking at wide receivers, Dalton Kincaid was there. Kincaid did more this weekend than Quentin Johnson has done. All season So the question remains Not only does Bransley lose his job but should Tom Telesco also lose his job For his ineptitude In drafts and you can go back to all The drafts right They you know they've hit on some good guys They've hit on Zion Johnson offensive line Rashawn Slater like uh, Offensive lineman in round one. Yes. Rashawn Slater, Asante Samuels has been good. Hitting Joshua Palmer in the third round was been good. Justin Herbert, of course was good, but it, that's not where you build the depth of your team. That's where you build the talent. And that's where I think that they've went wrong is that they do have an immense amount of talent. They do have, you know, the Derwin James the Justin Herberts, the, um, you know, they had the Mike Williams but it's about drafting throughout the rest of the draft. Desmond King, who they drafted back in 2017, isn't even on the roster anymore. Rashawn Jenkins isn't on the roster anymore. Um, A number of guys that you can go through here for that we've seen get opportunities in offenses and even look fine with the Chargers, Kazeer White, like guys that um, you would expect to be brought along in an offense to become depth pieces, like Cameron Bynum, who you watched last night for the Vikings, was a guy that they drafted three years ago, and they've brought him along to be that safety, to be next to Harrison Smith and potentially take over as the back-end leader. He did it. Like that's the point. That's the point of progressing an offense and, and drafting the correct players for depth and building the team. And that's something that we just haven't seen. We've seen Telesco take running backs in round one and Melvin Gordon, and then get guys like Austin Eckler and free agency. And then miss on guys like Joshua Kelly and uh, Justin Jackson and um, Larry Roundtree, Isaiah Spiller year after year. And and the team just hasn't come together. So that's my big thought is not only does Brandon City lose his job, but I also think Tom Telesco should lose his job as well on for the Chargers. The number one thought is a pretty baseline one. If you watch any football, is Kansas City the best team in football? Now, for me a month ago, from what I saw from the from the 49ers, I thought the 49ers were on the verge of hitting Legendary status. Legendary status means New England, um, 85 Bears, 72 Dolphins. Like Legendary status. Like I thought they had that upside and that ability with the trend that they were on where they were just dominating teams they should have dominated. And then they got the, the Cowboys game where they dominated the Cowboys – And then October 15th happens and they lose to a not good Cleveland Browns team without Deshaun Watson, no Nick Chubb, 19-17. And then they get eight days to go to Minnesota and play a team that's really not hot, but they do have a sack leader in the NFL and Daniil Hunter. And they're coming off of a close win over the Bears. And they're not really that good of a football team. No Justin Jefferson. Niners had a ward. Yes, they were missing Debo and Trent Williams, but we've seen them win football games without either of those guys And they lose The question is the chiefs is that the best team in football right now and I talked about it two weeks ago with Isaiah Pacheco And this defense being run first and the defense being a, a top five defense in football It's a different look, right? You hear the Super Bowl hangover, and the two teams you look up at right now, and you're like, who's the two best teams in football? It's the Eagles and it's the Chiefs. Eagles lost by five or six to the Jets two weeks ago. A lot of injuries on both sides of the ball. They've looked good against everybody else most most of the last month. Kansas City doesn't really have a pure number one. Rashi Rice running the third most routes right now for the Chiefs. He should be taking over that role. I would say down the stretch it's going to look better and better for Rashi Rice. But they have Travis Kelsey. As long as Swift Taylor Swift is in the freaking stadium, he's going to dominate. This defense is unstoppable, though. This defense looks fantastic. Air the Chiefs, the best team in football. And is the Eagles, number two. We could be looking at a repeat Super Bowl, right? Or we could be looking at week 11. Monday Night Football. Chiefs and Eagles week 11 Chiefs and Eagles Monday Night Football in Kansas City that is the beginning of a gauntlet of a stretch for the Philadelphia Eagles this week they get Washington then they get Dallas a bye week and then they go to Kansas City on Monday night they host Buffalo in week 12 they host San Fran week 13 they go to Dallas week 14 to Seattle week 15 then they get Giants, Arizona Giants. Brutal, brutal stretch there for the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Kansas City Chiefs, on the other hand, had the Broncos this week and then a Germany game against the Dolphins, bye week, Eagles. So they're both coming off buys to play each other Monday Night Football. And then the stretch does ease up a little bit for the Chiefs with the Raiders, Packers, Bills, Patriots, Raiders, Bengals, Chargers. I think Kansas City might be the best team in football again. I've seen that thought come across twitter quite a bit i guess today and yesterday but it's weird to even conceptualize that with what you view the roster as being it's kelsey we get that but it's also like mvs is running some of the most routes Rashi rice is third on the team in routes and this is a defensive first football team that's skill store that still scored 31 this week against the chargers so I expect a big, again, We only like the Chiefs only won 1918 against the Broncos two weeks ago. I expect a much different result this next weekend against the Broncos in Denver. I expect a much different result, a stamp almost, for Kansas City to make before they head out to Germany to play the Dolphins. Chiefs are the best football team in the NFL. Eagles are number two. Again, back-to-back years. The Super Bowl hangover does not exist. And I think they're both going to be heading back to the Super Bowl. That's it. That's the show. What's up, everybody in the chat? I appreciate you guys all. What do we got going on here? Kipsey says, the Patriots are dying up more plays for Bourne. Quick hitters. Just hopefully they can kickstart Mac up. Yeah, that's kind of the thought. That's what they should be doing. They probably should have been doing that all along. Chef of the lobby, is it worth to trade Deontay Johnson and Andrews for Kelsey? I mean, sure, but I, I probably wouldn't do it. I... I I think Deontay's gonna be fine. If he if he stays healthy, he's gonna be fine for you. So I probably wouldn't do it, but I do get it if you if you have plenty of depth of wide receiver, sure. Would you trade Adam Thielen for Christian Kirk, Geno, and Logan Thomas? Would trade, would Adam Thielen for Christian Kirk, Geno Smith, and Logan Thomas be a fair trade? Yeah, I think I mean Geno and Logan Thomas really don't really do much for me. If you're talking about Thielen for Kirk, I think I'd prefer Thielen. But I could see if you potentially need the depth on the other side, I would get that. But I think I'd prefer Thielen out of this trade. Let's just get Burks and Hopkins on the field at the same time, please. Yes, exactly. That's the point. Get them in the same field at the same time with Henry and see what we can actually cook up here in Tennessee. Rank Mostert, Saquon, Brees, JT for most valuable to least rest of season, and would you trade any of them one for one for Bijan? I would say... JT, Brees, Mostert, Saquon, and I would trade Saquon for Bijan. I think that's it. I think I would trade. I, I mean, Mostert's a borderline. Mostert's on a, on a torrent pace, though. Matt Cassidy, thank you. Appreciate you. Wedding was actually in December, December 31st, um, but – we, we, uh, I, I don't know, man. I, we should, have done, we should have done the honeymoon, honeymoon in January, but that was senior bowl season. You know what it was. And now I, middle of the NFL season, we decided to do, do this damn thing. So we're doing the damn thing, and I'll be back home at the end of the week. Actually, I'm not. I'm going to go to Austin next and go see Alex. So shout out. Kip C, congrats, brother. Kick up the feet and have a drink. That's what I'm doing. My, my wife's right there out the beach, out the, out the water. I'm going to go out there here in about 20 minutes. I'm going to go hang out with her. Have me a little, have me a little, uh, Pina colada maybe? Pina colada maybe? Macasti, what do we do with Roshan and Kendre Miller hold if we can down the stretch? You know what, man, I just want to see Roshan be healthy. I am so distraught, you know, we are getting fully cucked, fully cucked by Roshan's injuries here. Um we we saw him beat out Deonta Foreman the first couple of weeks of the season and now it's just full blown Cucked um, by Deonta Foreman, which is fine because Deonta looks good. But it just makes you sit back and go, damn, man, this opportunity was literally laid up for Roshan, and he's out. But I'm holding Roshan for now. Um, That was at the New Orleans Saints game this weekend, or sorry, on Thursday. And they kept pushing out Jamal Williams, and he did not look very efficient. So, but they paid him. So I I guess my thought with with that would be if, if they do not move Jamal in the next two weeks on the trade deadline, I would probably I'd probably have to maybe look a different direction for Kendra. But Roshan, just because of the injuries right now in Chicago, I'm holding him and I want to see him if, if he now now again, if he gets a third week in a row, I don't know if he's cleared concussion protocol or not yet. But if he goes another week and he doesn't play, then he becomes that guy. But right now I'm probably good on the Kendra thing because of Jamal applied literature. Hey, Cody, do you feel like mayor can become startable tied in this year with Jacoby and Devontae running game, running game over in Las Vegas? I do think there's opportunities for him. You're going to need more touchdowns, dependence. You're going to need more touchdowns to depend on him. Um, but I think you're looking at guys like Devontae Adams, Jacoby being, dependable down in that range as well as josh jacobs it's going to be tougher you're going to be a hit miss week in and week out type of thing for mayor i think rest of season i appreciate you kevo do i trade for jamar chase and jonathan taylor do i trade for jamar chase and jonathan taylor you give up tony pollard devontae adams and amari cooper yeah i'm cool i like Chase and taylor in that deal Happy for Deontay finally getting healthy and having good, fun things. But man, I hate it. Exactly. That's exactly how I feel about it. You know, Alex has talked about it. Deontay's a great guy. He's known him as a Texas guy for years. And Foreman's always been a great dude. It's just more about the Roshan thing. It's not about the hate on Deontay. It's more about sad for uh, Rochon because of the concussion stuff. Matt Cassidy, appreciate you. Last question. Thoughts on what to do with Pittman. Sell high for Olave or Higgins? Yeah, I would. I'm cool with that, 100%. If you can get Olave for Pittman or – I would definitely take Olave for Pittman. Higgins is borderline for me just because of the injuries, but I'd be looking at that Olave range. Yeah, I'd take Olave 100%. Anyways, appreciate you guys all. Roster Watch, top 10 thoughts. I'm Cody Carpenter. You can find me on Twitter, at Carpenter NFL. Alex and the Trash Man will be live in a few short hours to give you that wave of wire jazz.